Welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince, and this podcast is based on the internationally selling book by the same name. This book focuses on seven important skills. They are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic, and being resilient. And this podcast is all about how you can bring these skills into your everyday life so that you are living a life full of happiness, full of purpose, great relationships, doing work that you love, and just really getting the most out of life. Welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince and I'm here with James, my producer. Hello everyone and hi Emma Sue. Uh, So in today's episode we're going to talk about the top books to read to supercharge the seven skills. So the idea for this episode uh, was my idea, right? Emma Sue, you're one of the most well-read people I know. Whenever I mention a book that I'm reading, (laughs) uh, you've always always read it. So I I thought, well, why don't we make the most of this, Uh, especially as a lot of people at the moment will have more time to do some reading. And I thought it'd be useful for our listeners to get your recommendations recommendations for books that are particularly helpful on each of the seven skills so uh you've prepared your list yeah i have indeed yes <laughs> okay was it was it difficult it was really difficult it was really difficult i spent ages yeah uh, you know i had trying to decide which book would would work best and what was the message and mm. yeah really hard to do actually yeah. <laughs> this is your this is your desert island discs uh, equivalent so <laughs> uh, okay so uh, let's start with uh, resilience what's your resilience choice so my resilience choice is american dirt by janine cummins and i read this book a couple of months ago it's a novel and um it really spoke deeply to me. Um, It's a book about um, a woman who's on the run with her son. And they're basically, they're escaping the Mexican drug cartels who killed her entire family. And they're on the run to the USA in extremely dangerous circumstances. So for me, um, you know, this was a real testament about how resilient we can be. So the, the, um, the main person in the book, Lydia, she's owner of a bookshop in Acapulco so this was also you know just kind of the whole thing about this bookshop Mm. owner and her you know everything and she's married to to a journalist and they're at a family party and 15 members of her family are murdered by members of a local cartel so it's like a pretty um, brutal start to the book and she escapes with her son and so the bulk of the book follows their flight to El Norte the United States and they're mm. following the route that's used by refugees. So I guess, um, wow. yeah, it's it's really, you know, an incredible book, an incredible book. So it's a kind of a kind of road, a kind of, you know, a road, road journey kind of trip, is it? It's yeah, kind of it is. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's, and, and I guess, you know, I was going to say that, you know, enjoy is kind of a strange word to use for this book. But I mean, I yeah. I could not put this book down. And that's quite, you know, I, I'm someone who has like, you know, six books on the go. But I could <laughs> not stop reading this book, um, mm. you know, from, from start to finish. And I think it just, it, you know, it embodies the incredible um, power and force that we probably each have 
within us to be resilient because she's mm-hmm. just a you know she, she's not just but you know she's a she's a, a book seller you know um yeah. and so it's kind of I think because you can kind of get in touch with this really everyday person and yet she is so strong and she keeps working stuff out and they ride on La Bestia which is the top of a freight train really mm. really dangerous um but it's also you know it also brings to mind resilience because it's also quite uplifting there are lots of stories of people looking after each other and they do have a kind of support ne- network around them which is a key part of resilience mm. so for me it's a very very powerful book great choice okay let's talk about being proactive so, what's your choice for this one so being proactive this this one i this was a difficult one to find a book but then i realized that the the, the book i wanted to talk mm. about was right in front of me um, and this book is mm-hmm. called write it down make it happen by henriette and closer and mm-hmm. i love this book for so many reasons my, my sister gave it to me years and years ago and it was first published in 1988 um okay. so it's been around a long time um mm-hmm. but the reason for me that it's so powerful is that it sparked off um the power of writing things down by hand which is something i hugely advocate on on workshops and coaching sessions so it's about recording your thoughts and hopes in writing and, and i've always mm-hmm. enjoyed writing and, and journaling um but i think there's something very special about it because when you write stuff down you begin to define what you kind of already know and therefore what you want. So when I first got this book, I did one of the exercises that the author advises. And this exercise is to write a list of all the things you want to do in your life um so I was quite a bit younger younger then but I did it I wrote down a list of all the things I wanted to do in my life and on this list I had I had loads of stuff and it had things like you know having a baby writing a book being on tv winning awards buying a home countries I wanted to visit you know loads and loads of things I mean it was a really really long list and I did it kind of I think at the time I was like oh well I'll just kind of do this exercise and and then I I remember picking up or, or or finding that list somehow um a good 10 or 15 years later and I discovered that I had actually achieved most of these things I'd written down um so slightly scary but I think for me the 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 link with being proactive uh, yeah I've never done it since because I'm like okay I'm not sure I want to do that again but um the link with being proactive is um it's all about moving towards what you want and writing definitely helps with that so much and it's also about writing by hand which you know we don't do so much anymore but I think somehow you know, it taps into a different part of your brain. And I think, well, I think it's also quite well researched. If you physically write something down, you're more likely to do it. So whether that's your to-do list for the day um, or journaling your thoughts and ideas or planning something, you know, if you write it down, it's probably going to happen. So that's why I chose this book. (laughs) Okay, next we've got Optimism. Optimism, yes. So I chose Happiness by Mathieu Ricard, and he is a Buddhist monk. Um, and one of the reasons I chose this is actually the subtext or the you know the subtitle about this book, which is it's a guide to developing life's most important skill. And you know, we always say that optimism is something that you can definitely learn. So he, you know, as a yeah. Buddhist monk, he shows us that happiness, you know, it's not just an emotion. Um, it's actually a skill that can be developed. Mm. And, and you know, he's very, you know, he doesn't overcomplicate things. Um, he doesn't sort of come up with these 
far-fetched concepts or kind of like self-help stuff you know it's really yeah. things that are really straightforward and and easy to apply and it's really quite accessible um and actually i thought i would like to read a little extract from the book um okay yeah 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 so i will um so he says um I have also come to understand that although some people are naturally happier than others, their happiness is still vulnerable and incomplete and that achieving durable happiness as a way of being is a skill. It requires sustained effort in training the mind and developing a set of human qualities such as inner peace, mindfulness and altruistic love. So I really love this quote because... It illustrates the fact that happiness is a skill. It's not achieved by your circumstances. It's not achieved by obtaining things, but it's achieved by the choices that you make. So choosing to be in the present. So if you really analyze that, um, you know, we can be truly happy right in the present. But a lot of the time, you know, we're stuck ruminating in the past or projecting forward into the future. And we miss the present moment. And actually... In the present moment, there is mainly peace and calm. And it's, you know, it's really, really true if we can just get ourselves in the present moment. So I love that. And I also love the choosing to be kind to others, the altruism that he talks about. Because, um, again, very well researched that if we do more things for others, we will be happier. So, you know, a key facet of optimism, definitely. So let's move on to... uh integrity what's what's your integrity choice yeah so integrity i chose um a book of short stories by o henry who is an american uh, short story writer and it's um a story called the gift of the magi and i partly chose this book because my dad was a great reader um he just read and read and read it's probably where I got it from um and he Mm -hmm. really loved this author um and I actually own a first edition of his short stories published in 1905 so it's a it's Mm. a book that's very dear to me um but this particular short story is is beautiful and resonates with me so much regarding integrity and it's a story that takes place at Christmas time and it's about a young couple Jim and Della and they sacrifice their most treasured possessions that the other can fully enjoy the gift. So Jim sells his uh, very precious watch to buy Della some combs for her hair. And obviously he buys her these combs because he wants her to put, you know, he wants her to put them in her hair. Um, But Della sells her hair to buy Jim a chain for his watch. And Mm -hmm neither expects the other to have made that sacrifice. So I think, you know, there's a kind of um, irony here on on both a practical and on a much sort of deeper sentimental level because um, both Della and Jim are buying each other gifts that might seem a bit foolish financially because they're very poor, you know, they can't afford to waste money. Um, But what they actually receive is something they don't expect. So they receive a kind of intangible gift that reminds them how much they love each other and how much they're willing to sacrifice to make each other happy. So for me, this story links with integrity because of values. And when we live life aligned with our values, we can be truly happy. But it's also about how those values show up in our lives. So for me, 
that the fact that they made those sacrifices actually shows how their integrity is visible and really present in their day-to-day lives. So that's why I chose I chose this lovely story. Okay. Uh, next, we have empathy. So empathy, I chose Zero Degrees of Empathy by Simon Baron Cohen. And I chose this because it does give us a completely different take on empathy. And I found it quite hard to read. But I think sometimes it's important to be open to books that can challenge you and your ways of thinking. So I do like to have books in, in my collection that, you know, do challenge me. And this is definitely one of them. So he actually looks at what exactly makes our behavior uniquely human. Um, and he writes about, you know, why does why do some people behave in the most abhorrent way? And why are other people, you know, kind? Um, and, you know, I, I've got some unique experience of this, because years ago, I used to visit um, prisoners who are facing death sentences in the USA. And it was part mm-hmm. of what I did when I worked as a trustee for a law advocacy. So it's part of my, my work. I would visit these mm-hmm. prisons. It was extremely challenging in so many ways. And I think this book resonates with me because it's kind of like, you know, how can you ever explain human cruelty, both in the sense yeah. of the death penalty generally, which I don't agree with, mm-hmm. but also because yeah. some of these people, I don't think all of them, but some of these people will certainly have committed some, you know, really heinous crimes. So mm-hmm. what is that? And so... Um, I think we've always struggled to understand why some people behave in the most evil way imaginable and, and others are completely the opposite. And and he says that maybe, you know, rather than thinking in terms of good and evil, that actually all of us um, instead lie somewhere on the empathy spectrum. And that spectrum can be affected by both genes and our environments. So that's why I thought it was really interesting to look at empathy in that way, that, you know, it's not a case of some people like this and other people are like that, but actually mm. we are capable of, you know, extreme uh, hate and, and, and you know, strong, strong, strong uh, actions and emotions, and we're also capable of, 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 of good. Um, so I think, you know, he, he examines empathy and cruelty and understanding in the sense of what it means to be human. And I think actually it's an essential read for anyone wanting to understand empathy in depth because it really goes into um, a lot of detail. So good read, mm-hmm. but challenging. <laughs> OK. And what about your critical thinking choice? As you know, I thought with critical thinking, you know, let's get back to basics. So I chose the complete works of Aristotle um, okay, yeah. because this is where all critical thinking started, you know. And, mm. and you know, Aristotle, um, he was born in, in, in 384 BC and he became um, the tutor of, of the young Alexander the Great. Um, and when he, when Alexander then um, came to the throne of Macedonia, um, Aristotle returned to Athens and established his school and his research institute, the Lyceum. So this is where all critical thinking uh, began. And he defined um, three aspects of thinking. Um, and they're kind of logically ordered from more basic to less basic and, and the most basic. And, and I think these are the things that sit at the foundation of critical thinking and and, and how our brains work. So the most basic 
um, level of thinking is is the way that we form concepts and the way we express them and the way we try to find meaning. So critical thinking begins at that level of, you know, for, uh, forming concepts and, and, and communicating concepts. And there's often room to get that wrong, you know, at that point. Um, but the next is then making judgments. Um, and a judgment's not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's unavoidable. So every time we're engaged in thinking or saying, you know, this is like this or this is like that, we are actually making a judgment. And it's what our brains do. It's how we um, categorize and understand information. So a judgment might be true, it might be false, so it might just be an opinion or a perception. So then the third part of the thinking is about proving a judgment and proving it requires an argument and then arguments can be tested for validity and soundness. So I think when it comes to critical thinking, it's good to go back to what it actually is. Maybe you don't want to read, you know, all 12 volumes, but it's good to go back to what it actually is and how our brains yeah. work because actually how our brains work does not change, has never changed, no. you know? So mm -hmm. that's why it's good to kind of look at these three basic concepts because that's where it starts. And of course, when it comes to critical thinking, this is where we need to, at the very basis, kind of learn to check our assumptions and check our judgments because we make them so fast and we make them automatically. Um, and, you know, as Aristotle um, has, has set out for us, this is the absolute foundation of critical thinking. And if you're not able to, to actually argue, uh, you, you know, argue well and have good evidence for your assumption or your judgment, then, you know, you just need to kind of check in with that and also we have that lovely term concept checking you know <laughs> so checking mm. that that initial concept and whether you've understood it correctly yeah okay and then finally we come to adaptability yeah and you know there actually are very few books out there that for me illustrate adaptability so i thought i'd finish with a kind of short story proverb and this may be, uh, it's quite well known, and uh, some of our listeners may have heard this before. Um, but I think it's also quite nice to end an episode like this with a little story. So sit back and okay. listen. Okay, I should get comfortable. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> there was once an old man who had a beautiful horse. And this horse was not only his family's pride and joy, but it was also a means to an income for the family. And one day the horse ran away and the fellow villagers visited the old man to give their condolences for such a stroke of bad luck because the loss of his horse meant a staggering financial blow that would be really hard to recover from. Good luck, bad luck, who can tell, replied the old man. It is as it is. My horse is gone. Perplexed at the man's nonchalance towards the apparent tragedy, the villagers went about their business. A few days later, the horse returned with a pack of 12 wild horses in tow. And again, the villagers gathered, and this time it was to offer their congratulations at such a stroke of good luck. Now he had 12 more horses with which to make 12 times the income. What a godsend, they said. Good luck, bad luck. Who can tell, replied the old man again. All I see is that 12 more horses have appeared. The next week, while breaking in one of the wild horses, the old man's son fell and both his legs were broken. 
What bad luck, the villagers exclaimed. Your son has broken both of his legs. That's terrible. How will you get your work done? You're too old to do it yourself. Good luck, bad luck, who can tell, was the now predictable and equally frustrating answer of the old man. My son has broken his legs. That is all I know. Shortly thereafter, the government forcibly removed all the able-bodied men from the village as the country had gone to war. The old man's son, however, was spared since his legs were broken. Good luck, bad luck, who can tell? And on it goes. And it's easy to go through life like this. Um, So for me, I chose this because much of adaptability is about getting to a place where we can accept the current circumstances for what they are. And in that acceptance comes our ability to adapt to situations But it takes us much longer to adapt when we're unable to accept and we kind of react instead. You know, we we, we react strongly to something. So adaptability Mm -hmm. here is almost like a kind of gentle observation and working with what is. And that's why I quite liked it, because sometimes adaptability can feel like, you know, I've got to I've got to do something and take action. But in this story, it's about acceptance and then moving forward. A lovely way to finish the episode, I think. (laughs) Um, So thank you for those, Emma Sue. Uh, I just thought that perhaps it would be nice if we ask our listeners to come forward with their suggestions, make some suggestions of books that they find uh, uh, useful uh, regarding the the seven skills. Perhaps they could uh, leave them as comments on Instagram or uh, get in touch uh, and let you know with uh, some of their suggestions. Yeah, definitely. That would be great. I'd love to hear your suggestions. For, for books that you're enjoying right now or books that somehow resonate with, with some of these skills. I think, you know, there's a lot um, of material out there and um, it's, you know, there are a lot of, you know, there are constant reminders of the seven skills around us all the time. So, you know, let's delve into some great books and, and yeah, tell us your suggestions. Okay, so I think that brings us to the end of t- uh, today's episode, Emma Sue. Yes, it does. So thank you so much for listening and happy reading and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the seven skills for the future podcast there are all sorts of things you can do to boost each of the seven skills if you want more ideas you can buy the book seven skills for the future you can also go online to our website unimenta and join as a member and you'll be able to access more resources ideas and free downloads if you have a question you want to ask on these podcasts get in touch through instagram at seven skills for the future or on Twitter and Facebook at Unimenta. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice.